Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World-class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today, I have one ask for you. If you are enjoying the show, if you are learning anything at all, or if you hear anything today that's a takeaway for you, please do me a huge favor and help me to spread the show, whether that's telling somebody at work or texting a friend or sharing us on social media. I cannot thank you enough for your support. So today's guest is none other than the Eric Decker. Eric is a former standout NFL wide receiver who played eight seasons in the league with the Denver Broncos, Tennessee Titans, and New York Jets. And he was part of the historic record-setting 2013 Broncos offense led by quarterback Peyton Manning. And he later ended his career with a short stint, as he calls it, his cup of coffee in New England for a few weeks of training camp with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick before he ultimately made the decision to retire from the game and step headfirst into the next chapter of his life as a focused and present father. Eric now lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife, Jesse James Decker, who you probably know as she is a famous country music star and founder of the Exploding Kittenish Apparel Company. And today, Eric serves as the president of Kittenish, and in our conversation, he talks about how he's been able to find both competition and camaraderie in the world of business, um, which he mentions has been huge for him in his transition away from football. One thing I really respect about Eric, and I didn't even know this until our conversation today, is that a big part of the reason that he retired from football was so that he could show up as the husband and father that his young family needed at the time. You know, I have so much respect for a guy who, in the midst of an NFL career being on the line, was able to keep his top priorities in order and make a difficult decision with confidence and move forward. Eric is a humble, down-to-earth dude and a guy I always enjoyed rooting for in the league, partly because he was usually on my fantasy football team, but nonetheless, I always enjoyed rooting for him. But above it all, he's an incredible man, husband, and father, and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to connect with him. So here's my conversation with the Eric Decker. And we are live with the president of Kittenish, former standout NFL wide receiver, the one and only Eric Decker. Now, Eric, I think it'd be wrong if I started this conversation today anywhere other than first thanking you for helping me to win my first and only fantasy football title back in 2015. This is uh, this is one of those years I think uh, you know you were just lighting it, lighting the world on fire with the Jets. You were a touchdown machined um so yeah you helped me win a title helped me win a couple hundred bucks and, and some bragging rights with the boys so thanks for that thanks so much for making some time to come on the show today uh, so with all that being said the one and only eric decker welcome to the dad the man podcast hey i appreciate you having me uh pretty cool about fantasy football that's something over the years how i was growing and the conversations change where Either they love you or they hate you for performances <laughs> due to fantasy football, but that, that was pretty neat. I appreciate it. And I'm happy to be here, man. Awesome. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. You always did well by me in fantasy. So, uh, no, no bad feelings for me in, in that regard. <laughs> um, so yeah, to kick things off, let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's take it back. Let's go back to your childhood. Tell us about who you were as a kid, family dynamic, things you were into different sports that you might've been into, uh, all that kind of good stuff. Can you fill us in from there? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in Minnesota in a very small town called Cold Spring, uh, less than 3,000 people. And uh, my mom had a big family, big German Catholic family, so a lot of cousins, uh, lots of aunts and uncles. They were farmers, so we had to go do chores and stuff in the summer. My dad was from Cold Spring, um, had three siblings. His dad was military. Um, and so... Growing up in a small town, you know, it was a great way of living, I guess. You know, a community that's tight-knit, everyone kind of knows each other, you get around easy. Um, obviously comes with the, with the good and the bad, but it was, it was just nice to have that dynamic. And, um, you know, as I was growing up, my parents got divorced in second grade. Um, and so I had kind of two households to live in. And I think that kind of shaped the person I was 
um, and some of the experiences I've had and things I've learned, you know, as being a father now that, that I take and, and, and try to challenge myself to, to be the best and, um, you know, honestly keep our unit tight and together because uh, those, you know, going through something like that as a young kid can be difficult. Um, and so I experienced that and know what it's like. Um, then you know, what's the so in college and uh, I'm in Nashville. There we go. Good stuff. So you mentioned you went to Minnesota. Obviously, you played football there. I think you played baseball there, too, as well. Is that right? I did, yeah. I ended up uh, picking up baseball my sophomore year in college and played a few seasons, which was which was awesome. Not only got me out of spring football uh, <laughs> and the you know grueling months of that, it was some of the best times in, in terms of you know relationships, the, the, the road trips on the bus. Uh, we were a really good program as well and so a lot of memories uh playing both sports yeah just casual picking up a second you know d1 d1 sports uh a year into school that's uh that's incredible um so at what point i guess you're playing two sports you're playing baseball you're playing football at what point did you make the decision to you know head down i'm gonna go up try to play in the nfl you know i, I think baseball is my first passion so being a minnesota kid the, the twins were like kind of the dynasty in the early nineties, late eighties. And I was the biggest Curry Puckett fan you would ever see. I mean, I wore his Jersey, I think probably honestly for about a hundred days straight uh, <laughs> during one of the seasons, just because that's all I wanted. I want to be a baseball player. I want to be Curry Puckett. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was my big passion. When I got to high school, I love the team aspect of football. Um, and I think it gave me more opportunities to go and play college. Um, and so I went to Minnesota, football was that choice. You know, it gave me the opportunity to go there, uh, to pursue, you know, one of the greatest sports in America. And then when I had a chance, after we had a coaching change, I'm like, you know what, this is my, this is my chance to, to reach out to the baseball program and see if I can try out. Did that successfully. And um, I think, you know, as I played both sports, I just realized I was more developed in football. And it came down to lifestyle choices as well. You know, I wanted to have a family. I loved consistency and a routine. When you're playing baseball and you're stuck in the minor leagues, you're on buses, you're in hotels every, you know, three days, uh, not getting paid that well. Maybe make it to the major leagues, maybe not. And if you do, it's 160 plus games a year you're playing. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of time away from family. So football just seemed like, you know, gave me the structure I wanted, gave me the routine. And ultimately, I was just better developed as a football player. That's awesome. You know, sitting here where we are now, looking back, it seems like you, I think it's fair to say you, you made a great decision and going the route that you did, uh, pursuing the NFL, obviously had a wonderful career playing some in Denver, playing some in New York, playing in, in Tennessee, where you are now. Um, so, if, you know, I guess looking at that, looking over the course of your career, if we looked back, where were you in the process as an NFL player when, when you met Jesse? It was actually after my first year, um, and which is which is wild. I tell people all the time is like I was at a place in my life where I thought I was gonna be single for, you know, not only my career but just a, a long time. And it was a lockout year, which was important because during the off season, you know, I traveled, but went to Brazil, went to Mexico, went uh, you know to the X Games, Sundance Film Festival, just a lot of fun things thinking like oh, this, is, this is great I'm, I'm young um I, I got some money to be able to to do some of these experiences I'm just going to enjoy this and I'm in Arizona this is like middle of March and uh I go out to dinner with a friend that I was training with and he's dating this girl and uh she's like you know I got a friend for you something great friend that lives in town can hang out with well I ended up being Jess and we got introduced over the phone so we we were sitting there texting for for three, four weeks and uh, just really got deep into conversation. You know, I kind of, I chatted since FaceTime wasn't around at that point and just mm -hmm. really hit it off. And it was just, you know, unexpected kind of, you know, didn't think that was going to be the case. And I'm like, I'm coming to Nashville. And this is probably the second week of April to come hang out. Cause I, I really enjoy talking to you. And honestly, from that point on, it was just the rest is history. We just went back and forth to each other's locations. And I made her move to Denver three months later. <laughs> and like I said, here we are three kids and living in Nashville. 
That's that's awesome. Again, it sounds like you made a great decision. Looking back, it, it seems like things have worked out well. Um, so kind of it's it's fun hearing you reflect on that. So when you do think back, what was it about her that really stood out to you? It sounds like you guys had an instant connection, and you know, texting for a little bit, and uh, it sounds like there was probably some anticipation to actually get together in person. But when you guys did finally get together, what was it about her? If you could put your finger on one thing that really stood out that kind of drew you towards her. I loved her energy as a person. Like, I feel I'm pretty, I don't know, maybe re reserved or like not as spontaneous, uh, like vibrant in the sense that I think she is. Like when, when she walks into a room, you, you kind of can sense that energy that she brings. And I think that's what I loved was that, you know, the high energy, the, the happy-go-lucky uh glass half full, just, you know, um, silly, crazy kind of personality, you know, just kind of brought me to life. And what was interesting was in that short time, like I really, and it takes me a while to like trust people. Like I, I completely trusted her. We got deep into conversation and I think it helped that we were afar having these phone calls because we really got to know each other on a deep level. And so, you know, not only did I think she was gorgeous and great looking, it was, you know, the, the deep connection that we created through that time. And just, like I said, loved the energy. I felt fulfilled uh, when I was around her. Yep. So you guys are young, you know, you're in the NFL, she's making music. You guys are, you know, probably living a life, having a good time. I'm sure I would have to imagine that was a fun time in your life. And then you fast forward. I'm not sure how many years exactly until baby number one comes into the world. How did that change your life as, as a pro athlete, as a husband, just as a human being kind of going from, I guess, first you're thinking you're going to be single for a while. Then you meet Jess and you guys sounds like you got pretty serious right away. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit. How did things really change when you brought your first child into the world? Oh, I mean, it was just a complete game changer and, you know, going through the process. So yeah, we got engaged a year after we met and then married like two and a half years from the time we met and you know not planned but had our first child or concepted our first child like two weeks after our wedding so it was like wow here we go we're honeymoon around right and uh exactly and so as Vivian our oldest came into the world um I was just going through like kind of my last year in Denver so you know, it was, it was stressful because I'm focused on, all right, well, I got to make it a good year. I want to be able to, you know, showcase for the next contract and, and, and try to prove myself that way. But yet my wife's going through her first pregnancy and it was a rough one. Like she threw up for the first trimester and, mm -hmm. you know, just had all, all kinds of issues. And so it's like, you know, you got so much energy expended everywhere that it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is a crazy experience. Um, and the day my daughter was born, it's just like, man, my perception on life and what my priorities are kind of flipped, you know, like you, you get down this lane where you almost are selfish and focused on the career, on my personal career and like myself and this. And then all of a sudden you have this infant come in your life. And it's like totally selfless in, in terms of what, what, what light switch flips. And like, this is, We've created it. Like, this is our baby. This is our world. You know, I'm gonna do everything I can for her. And I think that's where, you know, really changed my outlook on life, like I was saying. Yeah, that's that's incredible, man. I, I can't imagine um what it would be like, you know. I'm an, I'm an accountant by trade. So like my day job, if I lose a little bit of sleep, like physically, I'm gonna be okay, right? Like I might get my brain might not be functioning at a hundred percent, but like my body's not taking the same beating as an NFL football player, how big of an impact did that have on you? Maybe like the loss of sleep. And then, like you said, just kind of being stretched thinner in other areas. Did that impact you as like, as a player, did you feel that? 100%. Yeah, no, it was an adjustment. And we had our second child like 16 months after Vivian. So it was kind of quick back to back. And I remember when we were in New York and my son was born my daughter was a year and a half almost, but she still wasn't sleeping through the night. And, you know, it was just like, man, I'm in coverage. I'll, I'll, I'll take her <laughs> at, at night while my wife's breastfeeding our, our son. And it's just like, 
it does add up. And I remember camp in, in New Jersey pulling my hamstring. And I think a lot of it was fatigue and, and not getting the proper rest. Um, and then just kind of, yeah, the, the constant grind of maybe not getting a full night's sleep, but at the same point, like we wanted to be all in as parents and didn't want the help necessarily at night or throughout the day. And we wanted to kind of do it ourselves because this, this was, you know, the choice we made. And that, that was, was really tough, you know, but at the same point we made it work. And I think I leaned on the guys going through it as well and just being like, hey, I know you're in the same place I'm at. Let's let's get through this. Because it not only, yeah, mentally are you drained or emotionally, but physically it, it, it took, takes a little toll. So when I went for the away games, man, I would be gone and I would be sleeping. When that last meeting was over, I'm in bed and I got, a, you know, solid 10 hours and it was like, Thank God. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I know how much you appreciate that when you travel. I, I did that a little bit when my, uh, my kids were little, I was again, accountant, nothing, nothing flashing up playing in the NFL or anything cool like that, but you know, still travel for work. And I remember hating being gone. I was just like, I know that my wife is at home and she's in the trenches. Like she's got, <laughs> she's got two under three and just like hanging on. And she's, you know, I know she's wishing I'm there so I could help. And, I'm wishing I could be there, but man, I'm also eating up that sleep in a hotel, in the hotel bed. You know, you got to take it where you can get it. Exactly. Got to, got to get it where you can get it. So that starts getting us closer towards, I guess, the end of your career where you, where you decided to step away and retire. Do you think that, I guess, having your kids and wanting to be as present and focused, like you mentioned, as a father, as a husband, as a leader of your family, do you think that played into your decision ultimately to step away from the game? Yeah, for sure it did. You know, I think like my ultimate goal, well, not only to play with one team my entire career, which is almost impossible these days, but was to play 10 years. And as I got to the latter part of my career, um, two minutes, 30s in New York, and rehab all year, got cut late, came to Tennessee. And luckily it was an easier transition because we had made home in Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, as our off-season place. And so... As I go through that year, again, got hurt in camp. And, uh, you know, man, I was just like totally kind of wore out emotionally at that point. It was just a lot to have to constantly rehab the body. And, you know, kind of when you don't feel good, your mind's kind of gone. And then, you know, it kind of leaks into other places in your life. So I felt like I wasn't fully capable of giving my best um, as a player, as a husband, as a father. And so, as the next year came, I, I could feel myself like not having the same desire as I've had in, in the previous off seasons. And I think it made me more comfortable with my decision that I knew, you know, my job was to be a father and a husband. And, you know, my wife was working, had a career and she kind of put it on hold when we were in Denver and she was just starting to get it going again. I thought, you know what, it kind of makes sense where I'm at in my life to kind of, you know, say it was a great run it's time to shut it down and, and focus on what my priorities are and so there it, it was it was a you know an off season where a lot of things were going through my head but it, clarity came when i realized like this is the right decision because what i loved about my my upbringing was that i grew up in the same house the same community same group of friends and it was it was a great upbringing and my wife was terrible and she thought about moving every couple of years just kind of hard for the new kid at schools and so I was thinking like do I want to go from team to team to team and and, and do that play because I'm over 30 years old and I'm not going to sign a long-term deal it's like I don't want that I want my kids to to kind of find their community you know create that friendship and I think that builds self-confidence and just you know more fun having that uh, dynamic so that that was kind of my thought process and definitely made uh my decision easier thinking about that way. Well, bravo to you. I know it's, it can be challenging in, in, in different times of our lives, you know, to, to, I guess, evaluate um, our priorities, especially when things are emotional and especially with th- something as, um, as big as the NFL is kind of calling your name to be able to have that clarity and be able to just really tangibly know these are my priorities and then to stick to it. Kudos to you, man. That's, that's awesome to hear you uh, reflect on that. So then you step away from the game. You go from, you know, traveling all the time, you get 
like you said, you're getting to have those, those weeks away traveling on the road, lots more sleep in the hotel. Um, and then you kind of come back and then you are transitioning, you know, full-time husband, dad at home, I guess, for a little while, right off the bat. Talk to me a little bit about that transition time. Um, the contrast from playing in the NFL to being retired or taking the next step in life. Well, that's a great conversation because, you know, that transition you think is going to be easier than it is. Mm -hmm. So when I came home, I mean, I remember for the first four five months, it was awesome. Didn't have to answer anyone's you know, call, didn't have to on some schedule. I kind of was home, do my own thing, be around the kids and, and really involved. And uh, after a while, you know, I think you kind of realize you need balance in your life, right? Like, mm -hmm you got to have something for yourself as you commit yourself to your wife and, and your kids. And, and so I was, I was starting to struggle with just that fact of like, I love the sense of routine um, in terms of going in to the locker room and having that group uh, that was like-minded in the sense of, of, of men that, you know, families, no families, but were men that were after the same goal. And, you know, that, that's hard to replace. And I think that's what I miss most about football and what maybe was the hardest part of the transition was I didn't have that built-in kind of man club that you go and just talk about things because, like I said, we're like-minded. Um, and so as much as I enjoyed being around 24-7, I think I realized, like, I need something to give me purpose for myself as well um, and started to, you know, talk to other guys, figure out what that looks like. And, and luckily, you know, Kittenish kind of fell into my lap at the right time. Yeah. I think the, the camaraderie piece for, for men, like men having real friendships with other people uh, or with other men that like, you know, we're all kind of going through very similar circumstances, kind of like what we were talking about before we hopped on here. Like, man, we're, we're husbands, we're fathers. We're all going through a lot of the same things. I think that's a huge missing piece for a lot of guys. Like, obviously I didn't play professional sport, but I played sports in high school. And I, I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I struggle or have struggled like replacing that camaraderie from the locker room into let's call it civilian life or like regular life. So I guess, what have you done to kind of replicate that now where you are in this phase of life? Well, I think the hard part for me too, was it was all built in. So I'm not the most proactive person in that sense, you know? So I think I, came to learn my wife kind of pushed me to, to be the one more proactive like well if you want something you need to go and like schedule it plan it reach out to friends and, and make it happen and so you know that was I think a hard thing for me like I said again just kind of used to show up this is what you do this is you know kind of the routine and it's all built in right so um, I got better at you know finding some mentors especially uh, that kind of have been through it and, and just having conversations, scheduling the lunch, going to golf with a friend, uh, and you know, just making a point to reach out more and, uh, and and make that a priority, kind of in my weekly schedule. You know, and so that that's helped tremendously um, in kind of being able to be around that. Uh, I also try to incorporate workouts with groups to be around other guys because you know we still need that competitive push and and. and environment mm -hmm. so trying to create that as well with friends in, in a workout regiment so there, there's creative ways of been trying to do it you know as a kid older in school i mean it's kind of built in with some dads that um have kids the same age and so building those friendships um and, and just making a point to to really nurture them yeah it's uh it's easier said than done too. I know what you're talking about. My wife's the same way. She kind of like nudge nudges me in the back. Like, come on, like you, you got to step up and make the first move. And you kind of feel like you're asking your buddy out and it's like a little <laughs> bit awkward at first. Um, but yeah, the workout thing is huge. I, uh, my, my neighbor invited me to go to like a workout group um, a couple weeks ago and I went and it's not the, I guess it wouldn't be the workout I'd write for myself or whatever, but it was, you know, five 30 in the morning, a group of 20 guys, all of them are, you know, husbands and dads and a great group. And, you know, the camaraderie was real. And I kind of felt that competitive spark coming back from, you know, 10, 15 years ago in high school playing sports. Um, so the, the workout thing I think is, is a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And just finding ways. Cause I think ultimately, I mean, as competitors or, you know, former athletes just 
like you still need to find a way to get those juices going. It's healthy. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you mentioned Kitnish. So you, you are, I think, serving president right now of, of the company. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. What has that experience been like kind of stepping into that role and, and having the opportunity, I guess, to, to work with your wife as well? You know, it's, it's been great. Um, never have I thought I'd be working in women's apparel, but it kind of gives me that team dynamic that, you know, I really enjoy working with teams and kind of the camaraderie, right? Uh, and so when I first jumped in, it was because there was a need just operationally and kind of as like the way I operate is like financials, operations, efficiencies. And so my wife is the creative and has a design, has the, the big goal in mind is trying to make come reality. And um, I, I got in, knew nothing about, you know, shipping, fulfillment, purchase orders. And so it was a huge learning curve. And I remember there was nights I, I'd wake up like three in the morning and just kind of anxiety would hit me. I'm sitting there reading some articles or going online, researching things because I felt like I needed to know more. You know, that's... Mm-hmm. Another thing I learned about myself was like football played in my entire life. I, I, I knew how to run routes. I knew how to look at tape and, and break down coverages. But then once you step into kind of an uncomfortable environment, something you don't know, it's like, you know, reacted completely different. So learning how to take that in strides was, was a great lesson for me. But I would say that was two years ago now, two and a half years ago. It's I've come such a long way and I've really got to network with a great group of people, you know, mm-hmm. other business owners of, of apparel companies. Uh, I joined a Vistage group in town that, again, is like-minded CEOs or business entrepreneur owners. And um, it's been awesome to connect that way because it, it's given me, like I said, a purpose. It's, it's helped me develop myself in a multitude of ways, it's communicating with people. It's the business sense of learning how to operate. And so, I've really been thankful to get that, that answer at the right time. That's awesome. All right. So then that kind of gets us to where we are today. So, you know, you're, you're leading your family, you're leading your kids, you're leading a business. Um, so that kind of forces the question of leadership and, and past experiences and how you are using those maybe to, uh, to, to lead these, these other groups that you're, that you're a part of now. So like, I think back to, you played with somebody that I consider to be one of the best leaders in the history of sport of sports. And that's Peyton Manning. Uh, so thinking about a guy like that, he seems like a guy that everybody just kind of gravitates to. And I think that's a great quality in a leader. Is there anything that stands out to you from the time that you spent with playing with him and spending time with him um, that you has kind of stuck with you, maybe that you're using and, and leading your family and your business now. Yeah, I, I just, I loved his intensity and, you know, for being his age and having this, the same intensity of how he prepares day in, day out, what was really motivating. And, um, you know, just being around him, like when you get on the football field it is all business, you know, it's, and there's a reason for what he does because I felt the most prepared and just the most comfortable on the field during those years in Denver with him. And, you know, there's one year we, we set all the offensive records. And I think we still hold all of them because we had everyone buy in and that's mm-hmm. you know, due to his leadership. Um, and everyone wanted to be a part of what that mission was, but the best thing about him was even off the field, you know, he made it a point as he'd go around at lunch um, and sit down with different people and have a conversation and get to know all his teammates. And so I think the trust aspect and, and just him, his consistency of who he was, like you knew who Peyton was, it wasn't an up and down, you know, type person. He was, he was Peyton and, and you could rely on him. And so he put in the effort to build those relationships, to build trust. And, you know, when you got into those critical moments, it's like, I'll trust this guy. And, and he felt mm-hmm. the same way because he built those relationships with, with all of us on, on the team. So I think a lot of the takeaways being with him was just, A, I think just being consistent in who you are, uh, what you stand for, and, and, and how you communicate and deliver, I guess, love to you know those close to you. And I think also making a point to 
ask the questions and and you know have the deep conversations to know that like you're there and because and you know love and trust are the two biggest foundational you know needs of any relationship and so i i think having that instilled in your kids gives them the self-confidence to be who they are and, and, and try new things and not feel like you know i can't because i'm going to fail like they're they're able to to fail and able to try because they know that they're loved and that you know who they are is um is okay right yeah yeah that's that's such a good point i mean giving your kids the green light to fail it's something i've i mean my kids are young they're i guess they're a little bit younger than years or five and three right around that same age and you know with my five-year-old especially and even starting with a three-year-old just kind of giving them the shot like hey if you mess up that's okay like i'm not judging the failure like i'm you know i'm trying to praise like hey buddy good job like i'm proud of you for trying like i don't really care so much about the outcome right now like i don't care that the little house of blocks that you built felt down i'm proud (laughs) of you for trying to build it up again you know um and it's funny it's kind of like a a muscle that i've experienced this with my kids you at first it's you kind of feel like you're beating your head against the wall but the more you kind of encourage that it's funny watching them or not funny it's really cool and interesting watching them walk with a little bit more swagger in their step the next time they go try to do whatever the thing is and it's you know when they're three and five it is it's building blocks it's silly things but to your point i think that translates you know as they grow older hopefully you know that that sticks with them yeah. And I think it's so important because it is the foundation of, of who they are. And so, you know, as they get into more competitive sports or higher level, whatever it may be, the, you know, theater, anything, honestly, it's like they know that it's, it's built inside of them, that they have it and they can do it. And they know that their parents are there hundred percent support, no matter what. Um, and I, w- I told the story to my wife last week, um, I was in the car with my oldest daughter, who's almost eight, my son, who's six and a half. And I was like, you know, it's kind of challenged them. Like, hey, do you want to be good or do you want to be great at, you know, what you do? And I looked at me, my daughter is super competitive. She's like, I want to be great. I'm like, hey, well, I'm going to push you a little bit. Like, you know, I'm here. I love you no matter what happens, but I'm going to push you a little bit because I know you guys are capable of, of, you know, doing things like to the best of your ability and that's in school that's you know because now say math homework like she kind of gets frustrated because you know like working multiplication which is crazy i think for a second grader but just you know it challenges her and it's like okay well just break it down same thing with with athletics right now so it's it's fun because yeah you get to kind of mold them at this age and 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 kind of build those blocks like you're saying yeah. I love the way that you handled that too. Like kind of communicating on the front end, like, do you want to be great? And like, if so, like, okay, I'm going to push you a little bit. And like, that's really a form of love. Like that's, it's almost yeah. like a redefinition of what I think most people, you could say society, whatever, like box love into or how they want to define it. It's, it's not just the, the lovey dovey, you know, all of that, like coddling. It's not necessarily just that. I think that plays a great role at times, but too, you know, helping them to be the best version of themselves and to really push them. So that's, it's really cool to hear you um, proactively communicate that. That's something I'm going to uh, try to make a note of and, and implement myself. That's big time. Um, that's, that's our job though, right? I mean, I think that, that's what I struggle with is like life is hard and life isn't always, you know, these cherry blossoms. It's like, you're going to have hard time. So if, if you can kind of prepare them and, you know, learn how to fail because we all fail. And, you know, I could call it grind, I guess, when things are hard, like, you're going to be more successful because that's, that is life. Like, you know, we're all going to get participation award as we get older. Like there's going to be criticism in a lot of different ways. And so it's just, you know, what, what is the core of yourself? And so I think that's so important, especially in today's society. Yeah. You know, this is becoming a bigger and bigger theme on this show. We've, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's just this like mental flip. And it's, I think it's just like innate that we want to try to protect our kids. Like we don't want to see them get hurt. Like there's something just like an, it's a natural instinct. Right. But it's almost like when we prevent that from happening, we're totally robbing them from the opportunity to grow and to level up and to be a more capable individual. Like you said, as they grow older in life, like you can't make life easy for anybody. It's impossible. Like life is hard. And it's like the longer you rob them of those opportunities to grow, it's almost like the worse it is and the harder it is to learn on the back end. I think so, at yep. least. 
Um, so in the same vein of leadership, um, you know, I know you didn't spend a lot of time in New England. I think that was a, a, a pretty short stint there. But, you know, Belichick and Brady, that group that they had together, the, the culture is notorious. You know, there's always been this reputation of, you know, just a very strong leadership style. Let's say that. Is there anything that you picked up in the time that you were there? I think it was a couple of weeks that you've kind of, I guess, uh, that you've implemented um, in your life now. Yeah, yeah. My, my cup of coffee, New England, I call it real quick. Um, <laughs> and that was that was a realization for me. I'm happy I did it because I realized I wasn't all in, you know, emotionally, mentally in football anymore. And it was like, OK, that kind of gave me um, the OK to step away from football. But being around them, like that was honestly some of the most fun weeks I've had in my life because, you know, the way Bill Check broke down film, the way he would lead was just impeccable and and Tom such a great guy and again similar attributes to Peyton in the sense that he made a point to to have conversations with the locker room and you knew what you're going to get from Tom Brady he was just always consistent and reliable in the way he carried himself and the way he practiced and um, you know I think why that organization was so successful because of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady but everyone bought into what, you know, kind of their strategy was. And they only brought guys in the locker room that would commit to that. And so you could tell how strong a unit is when, when everyone collectively is after the same vision and, and there's no like cancers or no one that is trying to pull the team apart. And, um, you know, that, as grown men, that's, that says a lot about an organization, um, and the leadership within to, to, to create that and, and to be so good for so long. Um, that, that's another challenge is the consistency of it uh, was, was amazing just to, just to see it um, in person. That's super cool. Um, so I want to transition a little bit back to family life, um, marriage specifically. So you guys have a lot going on, right? So you got, you got a couple of young kids. Um, you know, she obviously has her whole career. You are now stepping in and running the business as president. So a lot going on. So I'm always interested in the dynamic, um, between, you know, husband and wife in, in, when there's, when there is a lot going on. So can you talk to me a little bit about Jess and the role that maybe that she plays within your family today, and then, you know, how you support her in her role? And Jess, uh, I call her my sugar mama. She obviously uh, <laughs> is extremely busy with a multitude of things, you know, from music to kittenish to writing books to uh, endorsement stuff that she does. And it's just constant, you know, her, her calendar is always booked. And, you know, I don't think I ever verbally give her enough credit for the way she handles all that and comes home, cooks a meal, loves on the kids and kind of like it's, it's full energy throughout the day. Like it's, it's, it's taxing. It's a lot. And it's, it's amazing how she can do that. And, you know, I think where I fit in is a, I take care of, you know, like I'm just, I was just booking all the kids camps for this summer and trying to get some of, the, uh, of those things figured out and trying, you know, trying to take those things off her plate that, that can help, you know, our family function. And so the, the good thing with us is there's definitely a yin and a yang in, in, in how uh, we operate. Like she's, like I said, uber creative and she's just like a big vision, go get her type of girl. I'm kind of like the the block by block, making sure that things operate efficiently and, mm -hmm. and get done. And uh, so we were able to work really well together uh, that way. And so it's, it's been great. And as the kids get older and more activities come onto our plate, you know, it's all about the balance. And I think we're, we're having those conversations on, okay, well, let's look months ahead and see what it looks like. Okay, well, let's give ourselves this time, you know, mm -hmm. before it gets taken away with something business or kids kid activity and so find time for ourselves um within the, the midst of, of the craziness is, is important and that's something i think i can do better at as well as is being proactive in, in planning those things yeah that's that's awesome i love asking that question because there's always that first like i see the look in everybody's eyes the second i ask that question like how am i going to put this into words you know, it's just that first moment. You crushed that, by the way. That was a great answer. Uh, but, you know, our, our wives are, it's 
dude, they're just a lot of times the unsung hero, you know, man, just they're superheroes. And it's hard to put into words everything that they do. Like you, like you said, everything that she's got going on and still coming home and cooking dinner and, you know, doing the whole thing. It's, it's a lot. So let me ask you this now. Um, so you guys do have young kids. I know that makes date night a little bit harder sometimes. Um, what does date night look like for you guys nowadays? Well, date night is hopefully to get out and grab dinner, you know, somewhere every so often. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, a bathtub together. If the kids are down early, it's a movie night in the bed. It's just trying to have, find some, some quiet, some alone time to kind of connect. And uh, like that's honestly one of my goals this year is, is to be better at finding you know, fun activities or, or, you know, different things that give us that quality time together. Cause that, that is something that's hard to find. And like I said, the midst of the craziness, because you kind of sacrifice that to make kid stuff work or to make, you know, a work schedule thing happen. And so, you know, making it a priority to like give us some solid quality time, um, it, it's kind of, like I said, a goal for me this year to make that a priority. Yeah, that's that's big time. That's something I struggle with and could do better myself. You know, like you said, there's with everything else going on, sometimes it's like the one-on-one -on -one time that you have with your spouse kind of takes the hit. That's kind of the capacity that ends up getting shrunk. And you kind of just expect that thing, one, things are going to be fine. Sometimes you take it for granted. And, and two, that like you'll get the time. But to your point, like if you don't make the time, if you don't actually put it on a calendar, find the babysitter, proactively line something up. Like it's probably not going to happen. Like th yeah. life will take it over if, if, um, you know, if we don't proactively plan for it. So that's a great point and something I can definitely do better with, um, do better with myself. Uh, so to, to, I guess to wrap up the conversation on marriage, big wide open question, what would be the best piece of marriage advice that you could share with, with anybody listening? Yeah, I think, the biggest thing for me was just honestly the, the selfless part of it you know like you're you're a team so right i mean you gotta you gotta kind of give to take and the communication is by far the biggest thing in any marriage and i talked about having the foundation of just love and, and trust like that comes from communication knowing that you're an open book you know like this is who I am, you know, this is, this is my whatever social uh, login information, my email, like, you know, just being very transparent with one another, I, I think has served us well in the sense that like, there's nothing that's hidden in that sense in our relationship. And so I think that creates a healthy environment where, you know, as things get busy and busy, it's like, you know, we still obviously really trust each other and love each other to be a team to, to kind of get through that uh, phase together. And so, um, and then I think the second thing is just like, yeah, trying to make sure as, especially as, as you have kids to, to make it a priority of, of you and your spouse, because you're the ones that created that family. And, and you, that bond is so important, not only for how your kids will perceive love and, and will desire in a marriage, but after they're out of the house, it's just you two again. So, if you don't catch up in a sense or keep up through through that phase of life, like you're gonna not know who that person is, right? And so the quality of time, like we just talked about, and, and finding ways to to get get away together and do different adventures and, and and keep that connection so strong is vital. No doubt, no doubt. That's incredible advice. Really, really good advice there. So thinking about, you know, everything that you guys have, have going on, we've kind of talked about all the different things that you guys have going on, a lot going on. One of the, one of the biggest questions that we get from our listeners is about the, the whole idea of work-life balance, which is kind of a, a crazy, it, crappy term to make. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't think it's a great term, but I think it means something different to everybody. So for you guys with everything going on, I guess, how do you, how do you balance it? Like, how do you balance everything going on? How do you make sure that priorities are staying in the right order? I think it's now looking at the calendar and, and trying to really distinguish like, all right, you know, this is kind of the time allotted to get stuff done. And, and for us, it's always been 245. And we say that because P 
p.m. is like that's when we pick our kids up and when we pick our kids up we want to be present and be there and and make sure that like that is the priority and at dinner it's like hey let's sit down let's eat dinner let's play a family game let's let's, let's be present in that moment and you know work-life balance I mean, that necessarily for us it's like nine to five it's you know as an entrepreneur and as a lot of businesses are now especially when you're remote it's like you can work throughout the entire day and so there's times where we answer emails or, or do calls in the evening or at night and try to get things handled but at the same point you got to pick the pieces of what is important and try to schedule again the priority is of what it is and to that point is just being present you know because you could be sitting at dinner and trying to finish an, an email or the kids come home you're on a phone call like it's obviously disruptive for both parties and you know, that's something that we try to make um I guess the work-life balance work is, you know, these are the times to just be all in and present in the moment. Yeah. I think the, the presence in the moment piece, man, that's, that's huge. Um, so different, different kind of question here. This is, I guess, a little bit more of a personal question. So, you know, obviously like you're a very, um, you're a very present guy. Like people see you, you have a lot of visibility well-known NFL veteran, like had an incredible career. A lot of people look up to you. A lot of people follow you on social media. Now, a lot of people know you from, from Kitnish and, and, and obviously from reality television as well. Like you've been visible in a lot of different ways. And I think it'd be easy for a lot of people to, you know, look up to you for, you know, in, in a good way, but then also maybe think he doesn't have to deal with the same things that I deal with. Like he's just kind of got it going on, right? He's just got it. So I ask you this question. Two questions I'll ask uh, similarly. You can pick which one you want to answer. Um, but is there is there anything right now, like personally, that you struggle with, or anything that you feel like you are having to work on a lot within yourself right now? For sure, I, mean, I feel like that's been a constant for me. Is especially during the time of transition. You know, um, it was like not that I lost myself, but it, I didn't know what my purpose was, and I think I put too much of myself into football and that was who I was what I did and didn't realize that in a sense that was kind of my identity my ego and so it was kind of a, a reset moment for me and um I had this uh like coach we called him he was basically a therapist from college that came with baseball and he would help you know because baseball is a failing sport and how to handle you know, struggles at bats or as pitchers, just visualization type things. And so I started, you know, reaching out, connecting with him on just like, how do I get through this phase? And, and what is it to get me over the hump? Because in a sense, it felt almost like a depression, right? And so I think I really realized like, you know, I, I need to figure out what my priorities are, figure out like reset what my purpose is. And as I worked through that exercise with him, you know, I felt so much better, but I think it's an always ongoing conversation. And that's where you lean in on, on male friends around you in the same kind of situation or couples and, you know, groups that you can, you can lean in on to have these conversations because everyone's going through it. You know, I think it's life is hard in the sense of, you know, giving your and providing your kids with everything you can providing your wife with everything she needs um, and then giving yourself what you need as well. And so how to do that is not a perfect science. And so it, what works for you works for you. And so, you know, being intentional with how that looks on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a, on a large scale um, that fulfills, like I said, your ego um, gives you purpose, but also then in, in that sense, you know, you're able to be the best person for your family and, and for those close to you. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah so I would say that definitely it's, it's the inner struggle of, of, you know, kind of the, the purpose ego conversation. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and now I got another kind of big wide open question for you with everything that you have accomplished in your life from, from, you know, in, in athletics and business within your family, um, considering all of that, what are you the most proud of in your life so far? I mean, it's really like being a husband and father. And I've thought about this a lot lately and had a conversation with a friend. It's like, you know, when, when 
time comes that you're not on this planet anymore on this earth it's like what do you want your legacy to be and i think it's ultimately that you gave your all in relationships you know to to your wife to your kids to your friends to close family it's like you know that that to me has tried to help reset the way i you know perceive things or what gives me stress what gives me anxiety it's like you know put more focus in on onto the relationships and and like that i think has a a lot that gives back as well so um i forgot where the question was going but that's that's definitely something that is tremendously important to me now and is a focus yeah that's that's awesome and you kind of you kind of led into my last question here so the last question i always ask is is about legacy and i love the way that you kind of teed that up because it's the way i typically tee up the the question it's in it specifically when i think about legacy i think about you know those moments and memories that, like the little things that we kind of leave behind um for the people you know got i think about our kids right so like you know god willing you know they they grow up we grow old and hopefully one day we have the opportunity to leave them behind on earth and i think about like i said legacies being those things that we leave with them not the material things but the lessons the moments the things that they remember about us so if i if i pose that question to you specifically for your kids, I guess, like, what do you want your kids to remember about their dad? Great question. I mean, it's ultimately that I loved hard, that I was reliable. I was always there when they needed me. Um, and that, you know, just ultimately supportive in, in, in their life journey and being a part of that journey, I think is important as well. And so, uh, whether it's on a supportive role or it's like actual, you know, hands-on, like just knowing that I'm there hundred percent all in and, and love them no matter what happens, I think is, is really, and, and just being consistent, like I said, with, with the reliable aspect of it in their life, I think is, is the way that I'd love to be remembered. That's awesome. Great answer. Eric, thank you so much for making some time for us today. We're, we're coming up on time here, so I'm going to kick you off. Um, I want to thank you so much for making the time for us today. Um, you're, you're an easy person to find on social media, so I'll let you tell us where do you want to send uh, people who are listening and want to maybe find out more about you or the business or anything like that. Yeah, check me out on Instagram. I think my handle's at Eric Decker. Um, and check us out at Kitnish all you women out there and men who need some some gifts for your women actually this this beanie is is a, a kittenish one and we got a men's line surprise coming maybe down down the road so all right nice good stuff we'll link it all up eric thanks so much for joining us today man really appreciate it yeah thanks for the time man. it was fun all right everybody that's it thanks for listening and if you haven't already do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review we can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.